Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Hello. According to our research, you like podcasts. Well, if you have a passion, mission, or story, you should have your own podcast. And I have a resource you might be interested in. Go to frontporchstudios.com slash products and services. You'll see how Front Porch Studios can help you enter the world of podcasting. Again, that's frontporchstudios.com slash products and services. Thank you for your time. Goodbye. I'm Trisden. And I'm Ray. What we hope to do here is find a little bit of middle ground on some of these extremely polarizing social and political issues. Welcome, everybody, to Extreme Common Sense. What's up, Ray? Hello, Trisden. Man, just living the dream. Oh, really? I didn't even ask. You just figured you'd say that. You did ask. Oh, I did. How are you? Oh, I did say, how are you, Tristan? Living the dream. My bad. I'm out yeah. of today. You, you're, you're, you're not at the, the peak of your game right now. I think we, you found out the show was happening today, six, seven minutes ago, completely unprepared, and you're looking at your phone already, like, the whole time nothing, since we've been recording? Nothing new with that, though. But yes, you are correct. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for calling me. <laughs> And another show with a guest. Yeah, pretty exciting. I guess we're gonna gonna bring out our maybe our oldest podcast friend, Mr. Troy yes, Price. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, hello, hello, guys. I'm excited to be on here again. Yeah, thanks for coming. Hello, Troy. Last time when I asked you all questions for the body of the show, uh, I thought that that went super well. I'm excited about you know the tape turning the tables and you all talking to me. That was so that was much fun. Yeah. Yeah, I wish we had, we had uh, done some more of that. I think we could almost make that a like a, a bi-monthly bit just to, to play the, the, what's it, Cards for Humanity? Is that what it's called? Against yes. Humanity. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it was so much fun. And, and the ironic thing is we were, we were very prepared that episode because you were prepared. And this episode is, you know, we're, we're flying by the seat of our pants today, I think. So, you, so you if you've go. got that box handy, you may, have to, you may have to dig the cards out again. I, I don't have a maybe, unfortunately. We'll have to wing it. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Uh, so I, I'll start uh, with, with something that I'm so proud of right now, and I don't know if you guys can relate to this at all, but I very seldom do a project or something uh, that, that really proves that I've got um, a masculine bone in my body. Like, I'm not one to build or create you know like i talk for a living I, i'm not much of i'm going to go out and change the transmission on the you know on the land rover it's kind of not not my thing but i did decide to take on uh the project of replacing a garage door opener uh oh, and yeah. it's yeah so I, I bought this garage door opener off facebook marketplace and and this is the the god's honest truth Three days later, I'm on the third day, it's done. I, I wrapped it up. So very, very proud of myself that I didn't break anything, kill anybody, no electrical fires, and I have a new garage door motor uh, in the garage. So, Did you have to use YouTube and or Google? Man, I used every outlet that I could come up with, 
and and probably would still be in the garage working on it had I not finally got through to a very brilliant lady uh, doing a customer service support tech support for me that uh, helped me out with some of the electrical uh, wiring stuff. Nice. Yeah. You so. know, I thought for a second there, Teresa, that you were bragging about taking the battery out of your remote and then putting <laughs> it back in. I thought, nice. wow, that's not so great, but yeah. actually doing that wiring all that, yeah. being on a ladder, you should yeah. have broken it down. You were up on a ladder. Yes. You touched electricity. I did. And Multiple then you points. Had to hold that thing up. That's all masculine. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's the hardest thing or one of the hardest things is like, it's this big, awkward, like nine foot, uh, piece of equipment so you're trying to find a way to sort of balance it up so you can get one side locked into your wall and so you kind of have to balance it on a ladder while you're trying to get this little spring thing positioned it's uh you know it was it was quite a job for me now again you guys may have walked in and two hours later like bang yeah but it, it was a job like it was probably the most complex thing i've ever done in the home like i can i can get like i can tune up a car or change oil if i want to usually it's just cheaper to pay somebody but when it comes to like home electrical or stuff like that like it was a pretty big deal did your wife help no god no no (laughs) she she could have brought me a lemonade or something but no not at all (laughs) yeah my garage door garage door story actually is not as successful as yours so like you've got your machine that raises it and lowers it but actually what keeps it like flat is a spring-loaded kind of thing that's up against the door yeah and uh i discovered that that was the issue of mine either it was too tight or too loose or something i don't know and i thought that i could fix and so i get there and like uns bolt one of the things and then when i halfway unbolt like the second bolt of it this like industrial grade yeah. uh, thing just starts rolling around and like just like crazy oh. Oh, and so no. i'm sad because i've dropped you know i was frustrated because it made me drop the the ratchet that i had and when i looked down at my hands like it had broken two knuckles and oh, no like I was up on the ladder and my fingers were swelling already. It was like, you know, catastrophic injury. Oh God, uh, that sounds miserable. Yeah. You know, that spring Troy is one of the most dangerous things in your house. That thing is under so much tension. That big spring yeah. that works the door. Yeah, you 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 really don't want to mess with that. Broke two knuckles. That sounds yeah. terrible. Yeah, that, it was really bad. I like when left the garage and went to the kitchen. I was in shock because it didn't hurt. But when you look down and like your fingers are at 90 degrees the wrong Mangled. way and all that kind of stuff, uh, yeah, it sickened my wife when she yeah. saw it. So we went to the, you know, the Insta doctor or whatever, and man, they fixed it. No, I did have Troy one spring injury in my life uh, to segue. I was helping uh, a, a girl put together a trampoline in college. True story. And like when you get toward the end, I mean, you're just, you're really, you've got a lot of torque in your body where you're trying to, you know, pull these springs to kind of attach them to the trampoline. And like one of the last ones, it just escaped my grip and shot through my hand like a fish hook. And, uh, oh, it was very, very painful. So I'm like yanking it back out of my hand 
and I'll never forget the girl's dad just kind of looked at me like, well, what are you going to do? Like, just like the, and I'm like, I've got a spring through my hand and uh, I'll just never forget his face. Like, man, whatever. I was like, you know, were, were you in Vietnam? Like, how, how was that not a big deal? But nonetheless, that, that's my. Kind of, aren't you supposed to leave those kind of things in? Did it, is it doesn't it act like a, you know, uh, almost like a, um, a blocker when you pull it out is when it starts to bleed. I thought they've said leave it in until you get to an emergency room or whatever. Yeah, I think for me in mid panic, I just yanked it out, which is yanked probably it it relatively common. Yeah, it bled a lot. Yeah, it was no fun, and it it probably hurt for two weeks, and then it it goes you know was gone. But yeah, it was Gosh, not that's the, crazy, not the most fun. So well, you're assuming rational thought at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I no want to spring out of my hand. You know? Yeah. No, yeah. but I'm, I am familiar with that spring, Troy, and that thing is one of the most dangerous things in your house. It really is. That's under so much tension. And they say, you know, it can. you really should know what you're doing. Well, I don't think you really mess with that putting in the garage door open. Did, did you, Tristan? You no. Don't mess with the spring. I, you don't. My spring was still good. And to your point, Ray, you know, I'm – so conscious of that spring because uh, I've heard so many stories that, you know, that yeah. they could snap and, you know, they could really get you. So yeah, I'm so conscious of that. Had it been a spring issue, I probably would have just called a, called a guy. Yeah. And that's ultimately what I had to do. So right. I had the money of the, the fix it person and the money of the doctor's visit. <laughs> Worst of both worlds. <laughs> Worst of both worlds. That's funny. Oh, uh, well, good for you, Triz. I'm glad it ended and it is working working so good now but again it was three days like i probably put six hours of my time into something that again would have probably taken a professional you know a good hour and a half to completely knock out so it, it, it took longer than it should have but yeah it's it's rolling right along um all right if i might i will tell a quick garage door story and this goes to brandon who i know tristan has met troy you haven't but brandon is the uh the mechanic here at Galaxy, and he's a guy who, me with my Northeast pretension, would probably write off because he's got a thick country accent, but he's truly the professor on Gilligan's Island. He could build a radio out of a coconut. So my garage door had stopped working, the opener. So I bring Brandon over, and he looks at the unit, the thing Trisden installed, and everything looks good, and it's working. So he gets into the actual circuit board of the garage door opener already way beyond what I would have tried, probably what you guys would have tried. And he says, oh, here's the problem. And this is, if I'm lying, I'm dying. This is a God's honest truth. There's a little piece of solder that has broken and he finds it. Now I live eh, eight miles from town, probably 10 miles from Ace Hardware. So he says, you don't happen to have a propane torch. And for some reason, we all have a damn propane torch. Never use it, but there's a propane torch and it lights. He says, you got any spare light bulbs? Yeah, sure. I bring him a light bulb. He lays the circuit board down. He heats the light bulb with the torch. He melts a little bit of solder. It drops on. And I'm thinking, there is no way this is going to work. <laughs> he reassembles the whole thing, hits the button. The damn thing works. I'm like, Brandon, that's unbelievable. So I guess all it's going to cost me. I mean, I gave him a little something. But I said, it's going to cost me a, a light bulb. He goes, ah, put it in. It probably still works. Damn light bulb still works. And that is a true story. Wow. That's a mechanic. <laughs> and, Mike, and that was probably four years ago, and that garage door is still working. Unbelievable. 
That's crazy. That's just a great story because it's you're just shocking. You know, it's just like, how do, how do people do this? Everybody needs that guy as a neighbor. Like, I think that's the oh, dream, yeah. right? You want to call that guy next door that could come do that? Well, it's funny you say that, Tristan, because my dad was the least handy man who ever lived. And I'm, I'm handier than him, but that's not saying much. Dad was gregarious. He was good company. He was not handy. And next door to us was Mr. Zangara, and he was the northern version of Brandon. He owned an auto body shop. I don't know that he got out of high school. He was a little bit rough around the edges, but could fix anything. And he was at our house a lot. They had a great, they had a great relationship. They were 30-year neighbors, both World War II vets. And Go get Ben. See what Ben thinks. And I'd knock on the door. <laughs> Mr. Zangara, Dad needs you. Ah, oh, damn it. All right. I'll be right there. I think he got a kick out of it, too. But, yeah, that's true. That's awesome. Uh, so, uh, without further ado, should we segue into some politics without a good segue? I, I, I will say this. I have not a clue what Troy's politics are. I have I, literally, Troy, not a clue. And yeah, we've known I, each other now over a year, and you're, you're a pretty reticent cat, man. You don't say a whole lot, which is all to your credit, unlike the two of knuckleheads <laughs> you're on here with today. <laughs> Very so I true. I literally don't, I don't have a clue what Troy's politics are to you, Tristan. I mean, my assumption, just based on the fact that, uh, no, I, I don't want to say things that could be taken the wrong way, but my assumption <laughs> is he's probably like us uh, in that he's somewhere in the middle because he seems like a very reasonable guy. My guess is that he's middle left, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was middle right. I wouldn't. I would not define myself as middle. Really, I am about to the left as you can be. Really. No but I keep that mostly to myself. Right. Here's what I did because uh, there was an election a few weeks. Yes. I went into my booth and uh, I clicked one lever. Wow. Right, so, you know, it went down all the people that I didn't know, you right. know, but, you know, the party, the party endorsed them. And I didn't know. I thought that I could still give my vote, you know, because the party supported. And I, here's where it gets even into the more left politically uh, thinking. There were some non uh, of uh, what in those non-political offices? Non-partisan. Or, yeah, yeah, non-partisan yeah. offices. In those events, I looked and see, you know, looked at their names. And if there was um, a female against a male, I, I voted for the woman ah. because of historic, you know, historical inequity. And nice. then if there were two women together, this is super nerdy. Uh, I would select the one at the bottom of the ballot because there is natural bias to vote on the first person up at the top. Right. So I wanted to give equal footing, you know, to the person below. So, you know, I, I did some pretty rational thinking on that. And I, I left the booth feeling pretty good. Um, and I won some, lost some. Well, I like that, Troy. And I guess I've got some specific uh, political questions, but I think that's so fascinating and like I would like to know, since you would define yourself as very left, um, and 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 Ray and I, I think it's fair to say are both center left. Um, what would it take for you to vote Republican? So you know, if you had a a Herschel Walker on the left per se, or you know, I mean, we're making fun of our friends, but there's an Anthony Weiner locally, you know, somebody that was just doing some foul stuff that that you couldn't stomach. How would you handle that, or what would it take for you to say? I'll go Republican. Well, it's funny that you said that because we did have a local, you know, Kentucky, you know, House uh, election in our neighborhood in essence. And uh, there was a Republican candidate 
and a Democratic candidate. And everything that I could read about the Democratic candidate, uh, they were pretty new. Okay. So, you know, this was, you know, this was their first attempt at it. The Republican candidate came to my door and knocked on my door and asked for my vote. And they said, this is why I'm running. And I, the issue was, you know, taxes that, you know, he felt that the taxes that he raised or, you know, that he paid should come back a little more to his area, you know, to our area. And, uh, we get a political discussion about that, you know, saying, well, is, isn't there an equity, you know, with Eastern Kentucky, if everybody just, you know, pays locally, it was a discussion. And when we left, when he left, you know, our front yard, uh, I, he had won my vote, you know, because wow. he seemed reasonable. That's point number one. And he did have opinions that were thought out. Uh, that that was pretty great. Now, he subsequently lost my vote because not four days later, I go out to the mailbox and it is uh, in my mailbox is one of those political cards. And it's like the worst, you know, slam against that de uh, Democratic person. Uh, that possible, like saying that everything you know, they did was, you know, incredibly wrong and, and insulting and not really well. Again, it wasn't reasonable. And so I, I emailed, you may remember me. We talked for a, a, quite a while and I want you to know that, uh, I lost my, you lost my vote for that. He replied to my email and said, yeah, I remember you. I am so sorry about that, you know, that's what I put out, whatever. So I don't know if, you know, that will, you know, that impacted maybe what he'll choose to do in the future. But, you know, if someone is reasonable, which I think is the whole point of your show, you know, the left or the right, you know, you can somewhat get along. Well, and I think the tough thing, right, that these politicians have to deal with is they have to motivate people they have to motivate their base by almost being crazy. And then it is tough to come back, you know, in the middle of the actual campaign, you know, for the, for the actual election. And then I'm not as crazy as I used to be. I'm a more normal person now. And I think that's the, you know, that's, and I think we're definitely seeing a lot of that on the Republican party, but there's no, you know, that's Democrats certainly also have their fair share of preaching to the base on things that maybe aren't as popular come november so yeah that's that's pretty fascinating and i do i like the fact that he engaged you about it all so i guess the question would be moving forward is it more important to get somebody like you than it would be to engage his base with maybe the crazy attack ads i wonder that, go ahead rick yeah, that story is amazing troy because of how much it encompasses that story is is, is it's perfect because it's the old deal of knocking on the door and actually making a connection and seeing the person, talking to the person. But then it's also all that negative advertising that we see in every campaign. And we see it, I guess, because it works. But you're showing us an example of, you know, this guy had my vote until that crazy mailer came that showed all these positions, as Trisden said, that seemed to be so outside of the mainstream. I mean, that's a story with a lot of lessons in it. And ultimately, you did vote against him yeah i and voted he, for the other candidate for for the okay for the other candidate and he actually answered your email which is great too that that's a great story troy i, I think it's real and you know i think you know and what your show is based on 
logically or rationally thinking about your positions, thinking that you can present them in a way, you know, that's accurate to your feeling, but also will move across, you know, uh, spur discussion, you know, with others. Right. That is what's lacking. And, and let me tell you why. That mailer probably motivated more voters to go yeah. to the booth than the, you know, the, you know, time that he spent with me. And that, I think, a little bit. The, did the he win? Yes. He did win. Interesting. But yeah, that is a fascinating story. And I often say one of the best things about my job and, and even, I guess, just anybody in a small town, you do get to meet a lot of these folks. And that's that's a really nice advantage that, uh, you know, you get to not only just say you're my you're on my side, but every now and again, you do. You meet an idiot that's on your side and you say, OK, I'm going to go with the other guy because, you know, you've obviously have a you know more thought out plan or, or whatever. So that's pretty nice. So. <clears throat> You got something, Ray? Yeah, I was going to say, it's funny you say that, Tristan, because my first two, so Patty and I moved here in 88, and and my the first 20 years we were here divided distinctly into two different decades. The, the first 10 years through the 90s, I was self-employed, and I didn't see many people. And I kind of did my own thing, and and didn't even didn't even meet too many people. And then uh, the kids were born in '91 and '95. By 2000, Raymond was playing little league baseball. I was coaching, and I had gone to work for Wallingford Broadcasting doing news. So I met police chiefs and mayors and city commissioners, and on and on and on. And it was like two completely different decades. In the '90s, I didn't meet hardly a soul in Richmond, Kentucky, and through the odds, I met everybody who was of any importance. You know. From the mayor on down so it's pretty funny because the yeah. news business will give you that you're going to meet a lot of the folks that run the town yeah it's pretty fascinating and, and i've probably uh this is probably a repeat i'm sure i've uh i've told it on the show before but you know one of the worst human beings as a politician and again i was excited to meet him because he's a senator you know you don't always get to meet your senators that is kind of a, a big deal but rand paul came to the radio station uh and had an event you know, this has been eight, nine years ago and uh, was just unfriendly and cold and kind of the worst of the stereotypes, you know. So uh, it is nice to meet those guys. But, yeah, I was so disappointed. I mean, not that I would have been probably a huge Rand supporter, but that would have been a pretty good opportunity to win me over and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm you may not like all my positions, but I'm a really nice guy. I'm, I'm uh, personable. And, and he very much was the opposite of all those things. And Andy Barr is that guy, isn't he? Don't and agree with much of politically, but right. he is a gentleman. I voted for Andy this, uh, you know, past election well, for did. that ex exact reason. You know, uh, if we sat down, we we would probably disagree on eighty percent of national political issues. But he was just a good dude. Like we chatted for ten or fifteen minutes, and you know, he's the type of guy you'd want to grab a drink with, and, and he had charisma, and I think that's what you want in your in your politicians, right? Is somebody that uh, can relate to people that they may not always agree with on everything. So tell us more, uh, Troy, about this far left approach to life. I mean, you say far left, but you know, you're not you're not crazy, are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I. Uh, depends if you ask my wife or not. <laughs> um, now, the, uh, here's like a scenario talking about that being rational, you know, in, in politics. Uh, I think there's things that make sense to me when the, the, you know, 
things need to be re-appropriated. Uh, so money that we have we should go to someplace else because could, it should work this way. You know, like economy things, you know, for instance. And, uh, you know, policing and, uh, you know, the, um, uh, you know, oh, she, what is it when people, the whole system, criminal justice system, that's the yes. word. Uh, you know, when you can show when at the small scale projects that cost the same amount of money have better result, uh, that it's okay to change your mind or spend the money, you know, for the different things. You know, this goes back to a little bit of time, but when uh, they talk about, you know, the midnight basketball leagues, remember that? I yeah. do. And how that Absolutely. did reduce crime. I and think cost... that was part of uh, Clinton's crime bill in like 94. Yeah, midnight right. basketball leagues, you're exactly right. They were a big deal. Right. When they were a big deal to do it, yeah. and then the results are positive, and then they pretty much die, then you know, died. because it became political. That's and, interesting. You know, those, that's an example of I would fully, you know, support programs that work regardless, if, you know, if it is right or left. But, you know, on the right, you know, they define themselves as conservatives. And then conservative means, you know, they like to do things the way they've been done. And that's not necessarily, ra you know, rational thinking of, you know, there could be something some things done right that's so that's actually why you know I, I choose to go down that route the route of you know the left as compared to the right yeah and to that point troy one of the main reasons i sort of feel the way i feel politically that i lean middle left as opposed to little right middle right was because uh uh, one of the deals under Clinton was he had the work uh, a work program that I was involved in in the summers. It was a summer work program uh, that was a nationally funded thing. And we, you know, for poor and I'm sure inner city kids, you would go clean up your school. So you would, you know, learn to buff the floors and clean the carpets and mop and sweep. And, you know, you were basically a janitor assistant for the summer. But it was a great way for kids, you know, that didn't have, you know, money for a car to, to work all summer and save up for a $2,000 car or whatever, you know, that might not have been given that first job opportunity. So there are a lot of really good programs and a lot of really uh, creative ways to, to, to make society better. But it, it, to your point, I've always felt like Republicans want to tell you how stupid all your ideas are. But when you're waiting for their rebuttal, well, you tell us what's the answer then if that isn't, you know, healthcare is my example. It, it seems like you get a lot of crickets as opposed to, well, this is our idea that will work better and we're going to try it when we win. It's yours is stupid and we just want to cut it and save money and make government smaller. Well, sometimes that may be the answer and sometimes maybe not. Very true, very true. Uh, there's this older book I'm talking about. You know, 10 years ago now, we'll get to modern politics, I guess, eventually. But uh, Michael Crichton wrote a book called Prey, P-R-E-Y. Yeah. And it was about nanobots or whatever, whatever. And at the end of the book, he took just like 20 minutes, 20 pages to talk about what he thought uh, or how he thought government should work. And then in this instance, it was particularly with, you know, agriculture and, you know, that it's you know, a great 20 pages to read and has applications, you know, to today. It's, you know, government should fund uh, forward-thinking projects to see if they would work and then scale them up. 
that's a that's a role of government, uh, which I agree with. You know, you can't have a small government that is progressive, because for things like that. Good point. That's fair. That's a great point. Yeah. So this this is a little bit off general politics, but it is still political, and I'm fascinated, Ray, to get your response to this. But Troy, I'll I'll get yours as well. I, I mean, if you're living and breathing, you haven't missed Kanye West being anti-Semitic all of a sudden in the news for the past month, month and a half. Now, one of the stories that Ray has told, and I don't want to step on your story, Ray. I'll let you tell it again if you like. But it was something to the effect of maybe discussing the courage of the 9-11 terrorists. Like, you could say a lot of things. They're pieces of shit. Their ideology is insane. But you can't say they weren't brave. Now, Kanye West on uh, Alex Jones' show this week was trying to focus on the positives of what Hitler had done. And I think, well, man, you could really make a good argument that, you know, slave owners paid a lot of taxes, you know, if you really wanted to make that argument. But it's I'm fascinated by this because what's the point in society of taking a known horrible, horrible person, the 9-11 attackers, slave owners, like people that are sort of unredeemable, Hitler, and talking about the positive of that? I mean... Other than the fact that, yeah, I mean, you could say Michael Jackson was a good singer, but he was also a child molester, so he kind of loses a little of that. You know, you can't you can't glorify him at that point. What What are your thoughts, Ray? Again, I know you've kind of made that a little bit of that point at one time. So, how do you feel about that? Yeah, well, my story was uh, just a couple of days after September 11th. I was the only non-Marine among seven people, six others Marines, very good friend of mine. And then uh, a young man who had worked for us, who was a Marine, whose brother uh, also, and then three of their friends. And I made the point on the 14th of September, I believe it was, there was this secret concert from New York City and Springsteen was headlining it. And uh, we're all watching that show. And I said, you know, did any of you guys ever think what it was that motivated these guys to fly those planes? There's got to be something going on. And my goodness, that was not the time or place for that. It was far too early. And I learned that. I, luckily, I, I, I didn't, six of them didn't gang up on me. But, you know, it was like, no, we're not thinking about that at all. So that was definitely wrong time and place. But I think that's a little different, Trizan, than the point you're making with a Kanye West, where what is the upside, right? Even if you could prove that Hitler made the trains run on time or he, you know, because here, I'll get myself in trouble. There were some good things. There were people who voted for Hitler. He he did make the, I think Mussolini made the trains run, but he pulled, he pulled Germany out of a huge depression. You know, the depression Germany had was worse than ours, and ours was bad in the 1920s. Germany was in a bad way after World War One. This guy came in, he filled a void. I don't think everybody he thought he was nuts when he came in. I think the I think at one point there was a democratic election held in like 34 and he won it. So there were people in Germany who supported Hitler, no doubt about that. But with the with the hindsight of history now, it's a little difficult to make that argument that yeah, he did some good things because what is the end to that? What what do you hope to accomplish? I mean, I, yeah, I, I, there are some people that are bad enough that the whatever good they did is far outweighed and surpassed by the evil. And I would say Hitler is tops of that list. Yeah. So again, if somebody molests your children. You're not ever going to want to talk about the fact that they 
look good in a cowboy hat, right? Like, right. There, to me, just the insanity of that. I, what, what's Kanye's benefit? Like, what's his end game? Is he just completely crazy? What does he think that that could produce? I mean, is it that that conversation has to be had and we have to not see things in black and white, that there is a gray area there, which, I mean, I guess you can sort of fringe see that argument that, okay, we shouldn't look at things completely black and white, but also he's the worst human being of all time. It's pretty easy to see him in black and white. Yeah, I think that's your point, right? And and I, I there's I don't have any argument for that, right? I think that's fair. Troy, you're you're muted, which is very polite. <laughs> there you go. I think the only answer to to that about Ye's, uh you know, current trajectory is, you know, you need to be in the public eye to make money. And so he is saying the shock value. And that, I think, is a contradiction to, you know, our our own private lives. Of You know, I, I will never, you know, compliment Hitler. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's another point. But that's he's lost so much money. Like, he's lost, you know, half a billion dollars with that ideology. So, I mean, there's a point where it, it's not making financial sense now. And I can't imagine in the future if people are, people are going to say, let's go back to that guy who hates, you know, this large portion of human beings for, for no reason. You know, again, the thing about racism and anti-Semitism and hate among all these groups, like it's easy to, to see, I don't know, say a, a, an NBA basketball player was mean to you. And there happens to be probably more, black people in the NBA probably per capita than, you know, maybe some other workplaces, but it doesn't make sense to blame all black people because an NBA player was a dick to you or, or whatever. Like there, it's not a secret that there's a lot of Jewish folks in entertainment. So it's, it's easy to say, you know, maybe there's some corrupt ones of fucking, of course there's a few corrupt Jewish folks, wherever there's corrupt humans everywhere. There's humans. So it just doesn't make sense to go. Uh, what was it? Deathcon five or, or whatever whatever he said, I, I I don't I don't know I mean having lost the money having lost Adidas, to still be kind of going on these shows and talking about Hitler I'm just I don't know what in his mind I guess trying to analyze yay what is he doing what's what's the positives of this yeah and that notion of um he's off his meds and you know it, 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 we're way so far beyond that it's just you know there's that's the person he is in some way meds or no meds yeah and i think when well, alex jones is saying you know yeah. alex jones is like that's like a little one. yeah that's that's nuts go ahead troy i'm um, crazy attracts crazy right <laughs> so uh i would bet this is just offering something to to what you just said that you can't see why you know, I wouldn't be surprised if his deals with shoe companies and records and all that kind of stuff, the sales were going down. Uh, so he was at a trajectory that, you know, in a few months, he would be irrelevant anyway. Well, we're here talking about him now, and I would believe, you know, he sold yay supplements. He would garner a certain part of you know the people who want a, a crazy celebrity out there and uh you know have a little more long-term financial security than writing you know who he was in the past 
I don't know. He was a billionaire. I'm, I don't know. And, and maybe like, maybe there's some truth there, but I'm, I'm just fascinated that a billionaire who, you know, that's fuck you money, right? Like you can say, you know, if you're a billionaire and you spend a billion and one dollars, you know, you're, you're poor. Then you're me. Yeah. <laughs> well, but to Troy's, you know, to Troy's point, leaving aside the, the Hitler was a good guy craziness, the white lives matter thing. Now, right. that, that had to have been to seek attention. Yeah. Right. Well, you sort of felt to like that. Like, talk. yeah. Yeah. When, when he was doing that and that was he was uh, his brand was wearing, you know, uh, white lives matter stuff for Paris Fashion Week. And again, I think everybody was sort of sitting back like this is some type of performance art, right? Like it didn't feel like he was just saying you know, that he is anti-Black Lives Matter and he's pro-White Lives Matter. But now, I don't know, is he anti-Black folks? And he's, I don't know, I, I'm lost by it. And that's why I wanted to hear what you smart guys thought of it. I don't know, man. Was there a time you liked his music, Tristan? I, I, st- so. I love his music till this day, but I have to okay. change it because I can't right now. I'm yeah. sure in six, eight months, you know, if this would die down, I'll still like his music. He's a talented guy, but I don't know. It's too much, right? Like, it's hard to listen to these songs thinking that he loves Hitler, I guess. It's, it's tough. Yeah, sure. You're not his target audience. Sure. Yeah, maybe at one time, but yeah, probably not now for sure. So no, did, I, I don't think between us we have a good answer for you, Tristan, as to why. I think Troy probably comes closer than than anything. He keeps himself in the news. We talk about him. News people talk about him. So yeah, there's he's, there's something to be said for that. Definitely very relevant, no question. So yeah, as good a point as any could be made about loving Hitler, I guess. Right, right. <laughs> So, uh, and this was announced, Ray, you may have not even seen this yet, because I think this was probably within an hour before we started the show, but uh, did you guys see that Trump's New York trial, both of his, uh, I guess, multiple trials, his company has been found guilty of tax evasion? Oh, wow. I did not. So that was just released uh, before the show on USA Today. I'll see if I can at least read the headline here so uh, you guys might know more specifically what I'm talking about. Uh, Trump companies convicted on all charges in New York City criminal tax fraud case. So now that is not Trump specifically, but that is. That's what I was going to say. Right. That is the corporation and he, you know, is not the corporation and that other. uh, Oh, gosh, his name was in the news a couple of weeks back, who who uh, who was the head of the organization. It was more, I guess, about him. But, yeah, it doesn't bode well. I mean, it's just and yet in whatever that element is, you know, whatever that number is, he stays viable. Could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and wouldn't make a difference. Yeah, and, and, and I used to think, you know, I was naive in 2017. You thought there's a point where there's going to be a lot of repercussions for some of the things he says and does. And now I just think he literally could shoot somebody and, you know, that would be nothing. Yeah, but almost uh, but literally, it, yeah. So, again, I do wonder, though, if we haven't finally started to see the beginning of the end with, with some of this stuff. But, you know, I, again, I'm not saying that. I'll believe it when I see it. but. It is pretty fascinating to see, I guess, the least the little reverberation or um, consequence for something that he's done or his companies have done. I've got two thoughts about that, and they're contradictory. Uh, the first is uh, that 
fall, Trump followers are going to say that that continues to be, you know, political, you know, attacks. And that's just trying to get, you know, Trump out, of, you know, the, the running, you know, those are attacks against him. And then on the other side of things connected to that, I hope this is more of a hope than anything that all of this find all of these findings in a jury saying, yeah, this happened. The preponderance of evidence ultimately will become what is perceived that, you know, there are crooked things, when you, you know, that come home. Well, the buzzers do come home to roost when you behave selfishly at any level. That would be that would be very nice. Yes. Yeah. But uh, to your point, I think there's probably always going to be 20 percent, no matter what comes out, that are never going to change their mind. It's always somebody's fault, everything that, you know, he ever has to deal with. But I do think, you know, the middle, uh, at least some of this mainstream reality, things that are happening, trials, etc. The people in the middle do see that, you know, they do notice that. And I think they would much rather have. You know, uh, his name eludes me, the the governor of Florida. DeSantis. DeSantis. They would much rather see DeSantis than than a Trump. And again, he's Trump light, but I don't think he carries a lot of this around with him. Sure enough. Uh, This leads to one of the points that I did want to make as we talked about, you know, and what your show was about, talking, you know, talking to each other with level hands, you know, is what we should do. I do think there is a group of people where rather than discussion as being your goal for them, it does have to be adversarial. And so like of that 20%, that no matter what, what Trump does, it is tough to, to think about, you know, that I'm never going to convince you with anything. So why should I pursue that anymore? You know, that I need to hope the worst for you so that you politically don't get into power with your crazy. And that means, you know, that I have to move from the, the, um, public sector into the personal say, you know, I, I, I don't like you. I don't need to associate with you. And I, I want, you know, the worst for you. But, you know, that's horrible to say. You know, I do think in a political arena that that is something, you know, to consider, if nothing else. That is in contradiction, though, to, um, you know, to caring about your fellow person, you know, you know, to trying to do the best for your neighbor and those types of things. I haven't fully figured out those two, but I'm not sure that, you know, uh, trying to appeal to their better selves and all that is the right thing to do for uh, those that are, you know, those that don't use reason. And I think the hardest thing, Troy, in that is I don't think we're able to write off that 20%. I mean, these people are our, our father-in-laws, our aunts and uncles, you know, our sisters for Ray. Like, these are people we love and care about. So it's... <clears throat> You know, even though, you know, they're maybe not as informed and they're just not as political and they're just hearing a little bit and they really like, you know, who Donald Trump has always been. It's it's tough, but I I don't feel like we can tell these folks, you know, if you don't think like me or if we disagree, like you have to go like 
you just have to try to find a little bit of common ground or if they're just really crazy, just not talk about any of it. Right. Like it, it's so hard to just, because it's, it feels like that 20% hits a lot of us here in central Kentucky for sure. Right. And at, at Thanksgiving, you don't talk about politics yeah. for that reason. Yeah. You know, and that's stated. <laughs> you, you do agree to that. How were the mashed potatoes? Great. We don't talk about anything else. Yeah, right. that's funny. So, and this may be a bit uh, Trump repetitive, but I guess Mitch McConnell, I think if you've watched any of the mainstream news shows over the last week, have really hit Trump hard on uh, calling for maybe uh, relinquishing parts of the Constitution that have kept him from being inserted as president. Have you, have you guys followed that much this week? Yeah. And, and but what's interesting is they still don't specifically name him and say, man, that is just crazy. They'll, they say, well, you know, I'm a person who believes in the Constitution. Oh, great. So there's very little, you know, room between me and the Constitution. But you can't just say this guy is is a nut, kind of like we're having with Kanye, the discussion we just had. I mean, you're talking about a former president who might still be in the running saying that there's parts of the Constitution that should be, you know, amended so that I can stay as president based on, you know, his only his thoughts that this was a uh, a rigged election. Right. I mean, it's, it's it's how many lawsuits, how many studies on and on and on. Like you say, Trisden, yeah, use all your means and it goes on for a couple of months or until Christmas after the election. And then you've sort of exhausted it. And he did that and he exhausted it. And they were 60 cases and 59 of them were against him, and one little technicality in the one. And it, I mean, it's just craziness. It was not a rigged election. He lost the election to Joe Biden, but he's still out there. And now we're going to amend the Constitution. And, and, and it's amazing that McConnell can't just stand up and say, no, that is not right. He says, you know, well, I believe in the Constitution. OK, good. And, uh, and I think it's funny that people on the other side of the aisle, he will be much more pointed and such so much more angry uh, in issues of nuance, you know, that I, they don't want this little bit of money and I do want this little bit of money. So they, you know, are short sighted, whatever, whatever people, uh, but people of their own party, even as extreme as, you know, Trump talking about the Constitution. They still aren't negative, you know, of, of their own. And I thought yeah. that's part of the reason for a uh, platform that you vote on and, you know, go with, you know, to it's a big tent, but he can kick them out the door. Yeah, no, no, that's right. And it doesn't really, I've said this to Tristan a lot, it really doesn't make a difference how opposed to Donald Trump the three of us are. We're probably not voting for him either way. But it does make a difference the way Mitch McConnell feels. And so why not be able to say that? And I mean, it's a rhetorical question because they still worry about that 20 or 30% or whatever the number is the folks you guys were just talking about. Because that is the base of if not the Republican Party, the MAGA movement, you don't want to piss them all off. Okay, I get all that. But boy, talk about walking on eggshells. And I just, I've said, Troy, on the air, to, on the podcast to Tris, and I would love to be a fly on the wall when McConnell lays down at night with his wife. And can you imagine, you know, this guy Trump is just driving me nuts. He's an ass. I, what he says in the privacy of the Senate chamber or his bedroom versus what he says publicly, I'm going to say are two vastly different things. 
Completely agreed. And, and uh, many it, more. Many more other than McConnell, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Most of your, you know, middle-of-the-road Republicans on down. You know, I'd say 80% of the elected Republicans right now have just had 100% enough, but it's the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Josh Hollies that keep him relevant. Sure. And it's, right. you know, I do think most of you, I think the Andy Bars of the world are going to be pretty happy when he's gone. Yeah. So. Yeah. He, he, I don't think he was ever totally on that Trump train. He has to toe the line. But hey, let me read this real quick. My brother had sent this to me. I guess DeSantis, there's some kind of trial going on about something in Florida. And I'll just read what it says. Governor Ron DeSantis' lawyers were forced by the court to define woke. And what's interesting about that, as Tristan's heard me say it, if I said it once a hundred times, I'd love for someone on the right to define woke. They throw the term around. What is it? So here is how the lead lawyer described woke. This is DeSantis's lead lawyer. Woke is the belief there are systemic injustices in American society and the need to address them. Well, if that is what woke is, then I'd say all three of us are woke, yes? I mean, sure. this is what Republicans are opposed to, that some of us believe there are systemic injustices in American society and we need to address those? This is what people are pissed about on the right? That seems a little crazy. That's fascinating. But that said, you did have to define it. So I'm sure they don't see it as, as simple as that. I'm sure there's a... Or if you asked your typical Trump voter what woke is, it's going to be a much more detailed uh, response, wouldn't you say? Transgender people and, uh, you know, uh, men going to the girls' room to urinate. Yeah, all right? Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. So we got, I guess we've, we've, we've uh, spent some time talking about Trump. we got to talk about Hunter Biden, <clears throat> and I'm fascinated by, <laughs> well, I, you know, I guess we should. Uh, for one, let, let me just say this. I've always said, look, Roger Clinton is not Bill Clinton. Hunter Biden is not Joe Biden. I get that there's Billy a connection. Carter. You don't remember him, but Troy does. Billy, uh, uh, Jimmy Carter's brother, Billy. Oh, my goodness. Nice. He, was an, he was an albatross around Jimmy's neck. Oh, too funny. But, yeah, I'm fascinated by the media coverage of Hunter because, uh, you know, watching mainstream news, it's just uh, – you know, I guess the talk is about Twitter and did Joe Biden's campaign try to silence any voices on Twitter? Well, it turns out, I guess they did a little bit. There were some nude photos, I guess, of Hunter that they tried to stifle as much as they also said that the Republican Party had messaged Twitter trying to get additional stuff released. So it seems like it was both campaigns focusing on Hunter. But if you, again, watch a mainstream news show, it becomes... Yeah, there was a little bit of interference on both campaigns about Hunter Biden. It wasn't a big smoking gun or, you know, some, you know, Democrats were threatening to take, you know, Twitter to court, anything major. But if you watch Gutfeld last night or, you know, something on Fox News, it becomes this is the most atrocious infringement upon, you know, the human right to, to knowledge as anything that's ever happened since the time of Socrates. Like, it just becomes the worst thing ever. So, I, I don't know, man. That's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy, right? And of course, you could see the left downplaying that a little bit, and you could see the right overblowing it. So, I guess maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle, but it doesn't feel like, right? Like Joe Biden did anything wrong. Right. 
All right. Assuming so everything all you is true against. No, assuming right. everything they say against Senator Biden is true, like you said, it it doesn't necessarily jump to you know jump up the generation. And if you do argue of you know guilty by association and and all that kind of thing, um, they have many you know they have lots of mud you know that's slung around it under their own tent as well. It seems very good for the goose, but not good for the gander. That's yeah. always the way. Yeah, indeed. And, 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 and you hate it on both sides. That is one of those things you, you would like to see more people sticking to their own morality as opposed to having situational ethics. Now, are they, is there some thought that Hunter's uh, connections would include his father and that that's what was being covered up by the quote unquote mainstream media? Or is it just they discovered some, uh, compromising pictures and didn't want them out there. I mean, that that's the question, right? I think that's what everybody wondered, which, which it was, or like what it was specifically. And it turns out it, it seems like from what was released by Elon Musk, it was just some, some nude photos of him that, that he didn't want out as opposed to, you know, some big smoking gun about the Democrat party trying to rig an election or something like that. It just, it wasn't that it was just more kind of, uh, Man, nonsense. How from- refreshing! How refreshing would it be if you could find people on the right who were willing to, you know, make that case and say stop with all the nonsense. People on the left who could make the case and 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 you know sort of make the case politely that there's a little too much. Um, Wow, wokeism on the <laughs> left, whatever that is, and find that place to meet in the middle. I mean, you and I have talked about it, Trizen. Uh, you know, Troy, as you said earlier in the show, very reasonable, uh, even-keeled individual. But my goodness, the emotions and the craziness, and and let's be honest, the shows. You know, whether it's whether it's Gutfeld or Stephen Colbert, they both play into that. Sure. You know, Colbert's not bringing on a, a right winger to talk about what he has wrong any more than Gutfeld is bringing on, you know, somebody from the left to tell him what he has wrong. We just stay in those camps and point fingers. Yeah, and at the end of the day, Hunter Biden is kind of tabloid fodder at this point, right? And right. what Trump's doing and, you know, suggesting that we should not have a constitution and right. not, not, to, not to be unfair, saying that we should erase the parts of it that aren't convenient for him. And, you know, having dinner with uh, people that are Holocaust deniers, you know, that's actually what Trump's doing versus what Joe Biden's son may or may not be doing. So I Fair think point. that's a pretty big distinction. Yes. I do have a quote I want to read. And if you guys have an opinion on this, I was pretty fascinated by it. This is from um, Meet the Press this uh, this Sunday. This is a quote from Newt Gingrich. I, I'm sure you guys both are very familiar with uh, Republican Newt Gingrich, who was uh, former Speaker of the House. Um, This is his quote. We dislike Biden so much we pettily focus on his speaking difficulties, sometimes strange behavior, clear lapses of memory and other personal flaws. Our aversion to him and his policies make us underestimate him and the Democrats. The Biden team had one of the best first term off year elections in history. Pretty, pretty powerful, like and pretty self-aware, I would say, for. Yes, I mean, Newt Gingrich is an intelligent man. He is, and he has nothing to lose, so he can say things sure. like that. Right. <laughs> That's a fair point, Troy. That is a very fair point, yeah. I mean, it, it is incredible when you watch the way Fox treats him. 
Um, not so much the news, although the news certainly has their little moments with them. But, you know, the Hannity's and the Carlson's and the Gutfeld kid, uh, as I call them. But they just, you, you know, this guy is just a bumbling, stumbling idiot who now is overwrought with Alzheimer's and that's who's running the country. I mean, it's just, just kind of silly. It, it really is kind of silly. I, I remember telling my sister some time back that, you know, when you're going to make that case and stick to it and then it's sort of provable that it's not true, you kind of answer for that. You may have to pay a price for that. They got into that Joe is addled mindset and they just could never get off of it. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, just just this week, that railroad strike uh, that, that they averted was a pretty huge deal, I would say. And, right. and again, something nobody on Fox News is going to be talking about. Oh, what they did, Tristan, is, oh, he was too fatigued to be able to do the negotiations himself. So he threw it on to Schumer and the Congress to get it done. I mean, good God. Yeah, it's just just everything's negative. Yeah. And you would like, again, and, and that certainly is both sides. You would like to see a point where both sides could get to the point where you could give credit where it's due, you know, to most people, not Hitler, but most people, you know, in politics. But, uh, but yeah. That, Troy, that was, what do you have to say about all this nonsense? We've almost killed another hour. As I say to Trizen, I never know how we do it, but uh, you, you have the floor, my friend. Thank you for having me on that. I- you know, I've told you personally, I'll tell you publicly here, I appreciate the work that, you know, you're putting into the show and, you know, you are elevating the discussion, you know, one listener at a time. So, you know, keep your, keep your focus on that. Uh, I, you know, so thank you again for having me on. And, you know, how many episodes are you on right now? 60-ish, give or take. Yeah, yeah two, uh, you know, let me know. I'd like to come back on your 101st show. Okay. So, I like it. Think, what do you think, Troy, of the future of podcasting? It's not new anymore, but it boy, it's certainly popular now. Right, it's never expanding. And, uh, it's expanding both. Well, actually, this is interesting. And let me give one plug for a second. You look at Please. the number of podcast listeners, and it is still on the, uh, you know, on the great uptick. What is it that let exponential growth? It still yeah. has exponential growth, particularly worldwide. The number of podcasters is not growing at that same rate. So this is a great time to get into podcasting. The pioneers have already figured out how to do easily and comfortably. And so it is something that you can, you know, with, you know, with actually no one most of the time, but with, you know, up to $200, you can have a show that has worldwide, you know, and, and that's, that's pretty awesome. And if there's more and more people looking at podcasts and wanting to find podcasts, and you're one of the smaller groups with an active podcast right now, it's it's a prime time to do that. So that, and I think that will continue into the near future on uh, on both sides of the thing. It is great to have free information and you know free connection to someone talking about a topic that you're interested in. And you don't have to be in front of a screen. So, you know, at the gym, you know, or driving, those things. That's the, the great pool for the consumer of podcast podcasters. Then the, on the podcaster side, uh, you have taken out 
any barrier to try to reach the people so that you can say, you know, what you feel, what you believe, and present it in a way that you feel comfortable with. You know, there's all this ASMR of people just talking quietly. And there's lots of people that like that. And then there's political shows and lots of people like that. You know, there's there's a quote that like, if you have a thousand people, you know, that are your fan, you know, you can make a whole living. And, you know, when we're talking about in the millions of podcast listeners, it's easy to find, you know, a thousand people. Correct. And pod and Frontport Studios would love to help you out. Go to frontportstudios.com slash products and services. Right. And you can tell that Troy is very easy to work with. I mean, he really made our life easy go that first day going down there. Remember Tristan, it was 115 degrees and <laughs> we had never met each other and it was really uh, it was really comfortable. It was it's been a it's been a great experience. It's been a lot a lot of fun. It's a it's a hobby. It's a hobby that, that I look forward to. Even if I don't always remember exactly <laughs> when we're going on. I always look forward to it. But yeah, thank you so much, Troy. It's it's always a pleasure. I'm glad that I'm Absolutely. on this side of the mic and seeing you live. I do have a joke, so when you all get Excellent. to the joke, I'll prepare. I like Excellent, it. Excellent, I don't, so good deal. <laughs> I did some research a little bit ago to try to find the funniest joke for a separate project. And then out at Oxford, this professor, you know, tried to find the perfect joke. And they said, this is the perfect joke. Okay. okay. The, the Oxford, uh, Oxford professor. Two cows are standing in a field, okay? And one of them says, you know, I'm starting to get worried about this bad cow disease. And the other cow says, I'm not. I'm a squirrel. <laughs> According to Oxford, that's the funniest I like it. in the world. That's, that's pretty good. Nice. And that joke, I would assume, is brought to you by Front Porch Studios. There you go. That's perfect. Nice. And, and what I did again, I re did remember the show, unlike Ray, but I had to go to yeah. Lexington this morning and I've been busy for like literally 20 hours with my garage door. So I did, I literally yeah. screenshotted screenshot a joke to read, uh, on the way walking into my studio here. Um, a ham sandwich walks into a bar and orders a beer. The bartender says, sorry, we don't serve food here. Oh, wow. Da -dum Very cute. Yeah, those are both great. Those, <laughs> those are great. So, All right, boys, that was fun. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks to you, and thanks to all our sponsors. My buddy Aaron at Berea Pond. Uh, this is just uh, couldn't do without you guys, Dan. Of course, Dan and Nasa at Bad Wolf Gaming. Oh yeah, of course, Bad Wolf Gaming. Yeah, thank you, and uh, and thanks to Nate at Stoveleg. Nate Metz. There you go. Meet the Metz. Right. All right, Ray. Have a All great right. week. Troy, thank you so much, man. We appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Troy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week.
Tristan here with the Extreme Common Sense Podcast, thanking our friends at Berea Pond. We could not do the podcast without the generous support from Aaron and Robin at Berea Pond. And also, my house wouldn't have nearly as much cool stuff without all the items at Berea Pond. So when you're ready for your next furniture, gun, ammo, pallet, they have so much cool stuff, you're not ever going to regret going to Berea Pond. That's Berea Pond at 107 Clay Drive in the old IGA building across from near New Auto Center. Don't miss out. If you're from the area, you got to get into Berea Pond. Hey guys, Tristan here from the Extreme Common Sense Podcast. You may notice Ray's not here because Ray's a lazy bastard. Just kidding. I love Ray, but he's not here. So nonetheless, Dan and Nasa with Bad Wolf Gaming, we appreciate your podcast support, and we hope if you're listening locally, you'll check them out at 711 Chestnut Street in Berea. They've got a full arcade with some gambling things, sort of. So check out the arcade. Check out Dungeons & Dragons, Yu-Gi-Oh! Magic. They're a great place to buy your cards. Don't miss out. Get into Bad Wolf today. Tell them Extreme Common Sense sent you.